0: You're listening to Toronto's number one real estate podcast powered by Watson Estates. The most successful local real estate investing starts right here, right now. Here's your host, broker, investor, and social media influencer, Bradley Watson. Hey investors, Bradley here from Watson Estates and I'm so happy you could join us today. Today we are interviewing Casey Wong. Now this gentleman right here, he has over 250 units. And if I could just name some of the cities he mentioned in our podcast, he talks about Waterloo, Cambridge, Kitchener, London, Vaughan. He's got a development project happening right now and Whitby. So this guy is super involved. He's an amazing developer and all around actually has a lot of property management experience. And so if we want to talk about what investors are doing, in the climate that we're in today with COVID-19, there's no better guy. And so I'm so excited. I was able to connect with him through a gentleman named Matt McKeever, whom we did an interview with about a month ago. If you go back and check that out as well, also really good content. But this guy is a straight hustler. He's a bit old school, doesn't do a lot of social media stuff, but is kind of what we all aspire to if we want to grow our portfolio from single families into an apartment building complex. And here's the fun thing, he keeps calling me Brandon and didn't realize until after we were done filming that my name was Bradley. And when I told him, he nearly fell off his chair. So we had a lot of fun in this interview and I hope that you enjoy it as well. Check it out. Hi Casey, how you doing? Good, how you doing, Brandon? I'm doing good. Thanks man for meeting with us. I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're a really busy fellow running around. And just for our audience to kind of paint the picture of where we're gonna go today, some of the questions I wanna ask you because you are, you are down there working, getting your hands dirty, getting involved in real estate all the time. And yes. so I want to kind of share with people, what does that kind of new tenant landlord relationship look like on the property management side? I want to also get into your kind of thoughts on what the market is doing, just from another outside perspective from the eyes of another investor. And I want to also talk about some of the lessons you're maybe learning that might be different because you've been doing this for a long time. So this is definitely bringing up some new things and new feelings. So I yeah. want to dive into some of those. So. And so let's start off kind of talking about the tenant landlord side. So what percentage, if you were to kind of break it down of your tenants, have you mm-hmm. been able to pay in full, pay in partial? Like what does that relationship look like right now?
1: Okay. Um, percentage wise, most of the, the tenants actually paid. So we're actually in May. What, what What's the date today? May today 6th. Today we're
0: filming May 6th. Yeah. So May 6th, actually
1: April and May was actually very strong. Majority of the tenants paid. Um, so what I'd like to say is that, majority of the tenants pay for my stabilized buildings. Okay. And the one that is not stabilized yet is my St. Catherine's building. So we just purchased that about a year ago. Um, and we're still, you know, working out the kinks. Um, and you know, I just received the the whole bunch of checks for, for the tenants. So it's, a, you know, it's a, it's actually good. Um, people are paying, but I say once you stabilize a building after that, we stabilize the building and it takes about two or three years, majority of the people pay. So April and May, the bulk of the tenants have paid. Probably, percentage-wise, I'm, I'm looking at about, um, honestly, about 95 to 98%. Very So, good. It's very, so we have about 250 units. Um, my, I'll just do a quick rundown of what we have right now. So it's a, we have a, a 12-plex on Duke and Wellington. It's near Google's head office in Kitchener. Uh, I have an 18-plex in Waterloo. That's a student housing. It's a 51-bed um, student housing. Basically bought that about, uh, six years ago. Uh, all the tenants paid All 50, excuse me, one tenant didn't pay that person moved out. Uh, so we have 50 out of the 51 paying, uh, Cambridge. I have two buildings there. One is one of the 32 and a 33 that I purchased about three years ago. Uh, stabilize. I bought that as a package as a 65 unit. I would have bought the third property. It would have been 99 units in total, but I didn't buy that one because of the uh, location. Uh, it wasn't very strong. So 65 units, the bulk of the units, the bulk of the tenants paid um, stabilized, very, very comfortable. I have a 36 unit in Kitchener on Hyman street. Um, that one's pretty much stable. I think we purchased that about two years ago, I think. Um, and that one's, that one's very strong as well. I have one vacancy there just became vacant. Uh, the bulk of the tenants paid there, a former superintendent's a little bit late, uh, By working with her for that one, uh, we have a flip building basically in London. It was a thirty-six unit building. Um, I guess the history on that through Matt McKeever. If people saw my the video, I had to raise eight million dollars in one day. That was that building there, um, and we sold the bulk of the units. I think we have eight left, and I paid out my investors. Um, and for that one, we everybody paid except for one. One person wants to move out, and then we're working on that one um the to, to rent it out um but that one we would like to sell it as well but we can keep that uh, as a as a whole now we have about eight units for for that building in london um going back to your question uh how many paid the bulk of them paid so ironically you're thinking about the situation of covid and all that the bulk of the residential paid now my commercial side on whitby we just closed that about last year um none of them paid Okay, so the commercial side, you have to work with them a little bit harder. So just to break down your question, landlord and tenant, how many paid, and how is the relationship going forward? Different, different buildings, different um, uh, outcomes for residential and commercial. So working with the, the commercial um, tenants, it, it it it's it's kind of funny because you expect commercial business owners to be able to you know have that savings, that that little nest egg, uh, the safety fund but they don't. So I guess we, as investors, we have to be cautious and cognizant of what's going to happen. Right? So a lot of the uh, we don't have the bulk of our holdings in commercial. I can talk about sort of our strategy, what we're doing for residential uh, compared to commercial and, or, or what we're doing with this property. But that's a, that's another question, but breaking it down this question, what you asked me, Brandon, is that, uh, well, how is that relationship with the tenants paying and all that uh, different buildings sort of paid in different ways. And that's how I see it. Um, and that's how I'm sort of breaking down this, uh, uh, quick little scenario.
0: So you're saying stabilize when, when you're saying stabilize, what do you mean by that? If you can okay. just kind of explain a little more. Yeah,
1: Of course. Stabilize means that I'm not paying any money out to my investors. Um, the building we just purchased, it's almost like a business that you buy. You have to be able to make sure that it's running properly until then you can start taking the money out. Um, we don't usually give investors any money, um, their like the cash flow or anything like that until after the two or three year time period. Just for the fact that there's gonna be turnover, there's gonna be unexpected um uh repairs, maintenance, cap X, capital expenditures I call it cap X, um that you don't see for the first couple years. Okay, so there's gonna be a lot of cash outlay. So Stabilize the building, make sure that the business is running fine. Once that happens, then you can start giving cash flow to your investors. And also taking cash flow for yourself as, as the operating partner. So crucial in a part where you don't want to bleed your business, bleed that building as and take everything out, okay, and not be able to have money for expenses, for renovation, uh, to pay the bills, to pay the mortgage, to pay the utilities so the first couple years i say usually three years um i stabilized that 65 unit building the two buildings that we have in cambridge in about two years right but when i going back to the question of stabilization you're going to stabilize a building depending on the time period um you through experience will know how long it's going to take so i would probably say from my experience it's about a three-year time period if you can do it faster excellent right on a single family home if you just have one tenant, one great tenant um, and your cash flow, you buy, let's say, wherever you're, you're at, let's say on a secondary or tertiary type of market, uh, you bought cheap, let's say $200,000, you are renting it out for 1500 for example, okay? Then you can stabilize in with, within probably a couple months, okay? Then you can start drawing the cash flow. But my suggestion is that when you're doing the multifamily, have that buffer, have that two or three year stabilization period because you don't know what's going to happen.
0: Yeah. And so what I, what I really love about your story is that you started on the single family side and you worked your way up. Right. So I think some people get a little intimidated when you're doing these, you know, these giant condo projects in the East and the West and all of these units, you're throwing double digits all over the place. Right. Yes. But it's, it's funny because a lot of things you're saying are very transferable and now you're able to bring it right down. So now yeah. from other people you're talking big or small investors, would you say that that seems to be the same story, the, the ability to collect rent or do, do you, have you been able to talk or heard any stories of anyone that's maybe having some more difficulty and could it be because of your size versus someone that's maybe smaller struggling? Like where, where do you see that kind of fitting?
1: I That's very individual. Like it's going to be to that person, to that landlord, to that tenant, that perspective. Like if a tenant, if you have one single family home and that person's out of the job and, let's say he's for whatever let's say he's uh, self-employed or, or whatever and he can't can't collect the cerb right the uh the government um help or the subsidy or financial aid if they can't collect it you have to almost you know help them out wait uh everybody's going to be different okay um i don't know who like the best the sort of the best solution best uh, uh steps to take is to work with their tenants put it in writing so make sure you put it in writing. You say, okay, you're not able to pay for April's rent. What are the payment plans that you're able to do? Okay. Can you do uh 50% of April? Okay. I worked with only one tenant in my uh Linwood property. I said, you know what? Let me take the LMR for this month. You're not supposed to do that, but this situation is not normal either. I'll take your LMR. Okay. Put it you in last
0: month's rent, just yeah, sorry, for sorry, your last
1: month's rent.
0: <laughs> but good. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. Take your. I'll take your last month's rent yep. for April's rent. And then I'm going to work with you. Okay. For May's rent. And then I'm going to drop it down from your 1225 uh, payment or something like that. It's around 1200 for one bedroom. I'm going to drop it down to a thousand. Can you afford a thousand? Yes. Okay. Your $200 is going to accumulate each and every month until you pay it off. Okay. At least I get something from him. Okay. Right. Don't, don't let him have everything. Okay. But I'm not, I'm not trying to squeeze him. Okay. I'm not financially trying to squeeze him so he doesn't, he can't put bread on the table. Okay. So everybody has, you know, give and take, I'll take your thousand dollars. It's only $200. Now, before I even got him in Brandon, I, I got all of his work documents, um, his, uh, driver's license. I actually got a social insurance number. You don't need it, but for me, it's my, it's a safety thing. If he goes, I want your social insurance number too. Hey, by all means, I'll give it to you, right? So I'm I'm open that way, um, but basically that's a recourse, right? I have his documentation, I have his driver's license, his work information, uh, his bank account, things like that. So whatever happens with the LTB, I can take that to small claims court and be able to uh, have that recourse against him, right? right. So that's my that's my sort of taken my suggestion is that make sure that you have a proper documentation.
0: That's very interesting because a lot of the stats show from what I've seen 20 to 30% people are struggling with collecting rent that's in Mm -hmm. Canada and the U S so you're doing a, you're doing a good job as far as numbers. So I think what, if there was a, a lesson that I would get out of that is kind of what you're just saying, which is work with your clients, work with your tenants, right? and not to squeeze them. I think that attitude is where there's a bit of a difference. If someone is willing to work with you, you're willing to pay, right? So I, anyways, I, I think that those are astonishing numbers. I I think that should show a level of optimism for the good landlords out there and that are trying to work with tenants. So very good, very good. So to move on to our next question, I want to talk about the housing market. Now you go outside just the GTA, you go like GTHA. So I wanted to kind of look at that marketplace and maybe we can even extend it like just from, I guess, from whatever research you're doing, and maybe it's Ontario, I don't know if you're looking nationally or from your what you've seen, mm-hmm. do you think that things are going to get better or worse if we kind of look over the coming months? Mm-hmm. Like maybe not, like if we say, okay, five years from now, things are going to be great, fine. But in the next few months, what do you kind of anticipate will happen? Because there's a lot of confusion and no one yeah. has a crystal ball, right?
1: Nobody has a crystal ball. Whatever I say is probably going to do opposite, right? So <laughs> <laughs> listen, I, I think the Toronto market in, in general is very, Fairly strong. The only thing that I see would hurt is your single family detached home, very expensive in downtown, like in the Toronto area. I'm building my house right now. I'm actually, we're actually uh, living in an apartment building right now near Baby and Shepherd, and I'm building my house at Young and Finch. I'm in the market where it's going to be, if I had to sell, that's a rough market because it's a market where it's, my house is probably worth like $3 million, right? But nobody's going to buy in, a, in an area where the market is dropping especially in these luxury homes, right? Uh, we have four kids and and a dog, but I need, I need the space. And I, I actually, um, you guys call it, you young kids call it uh, house hacking, right? So I house hacked for literally since 2006 till now, and now I'm building. So for 13, 14 years, I had basement tenants. Okay. So, um, we were living basically how many people, uh, Nine people in a bungalow in 1,300 square feet, right? Well, upstairs, I took 1,300 with with family of six. And um, I know I'm divest, uh, digressing right now, but what I'm saying is that the single-family homes are going to drop, okay? W- which I see. Not too many people is going to be able to afford a $2, 3000000 million Toronto home. Now, let's go back to your question, is that what's going to happen in four years, five years from now? Um, I see in the short term that it's going to be very uh, volatile in a way. In a way that your market is going to go up and down. We don't know where it's going to go. You might see demand dropping. Supply might be, uh, you know, staying on the market for a little bit longer. Because people don't want to invest. People don't want to move. When, you, when you're when you unsure, sort of everything's like, hey, you know what? I'm going to, hands up. Hey, I'm going to hold. But things after that six-month time period, I say probably at the end of this year, maybe uh, September, October, once this blanket is lifted off of the uh, COVID pandemic situation, once people start returning to normal, your markets will come back in a way that, especially in this Toronto market, your supply and demand, your supply is still very short, okay, very low. Your uh, your demand is still very high, right? People are still looking for affordable housing. Your your townhomes to your uh, affordable condos outside of the GTA, those those are going to be the strong markets, okay. Um, as long as there's companies there, okay. So your stronger areas like your kitchener Waldo, Cambridge, your uh, your Hamilton, Saint Catharines, your Whippy area, London. Like if they have um, jobs there, companies are there still producing, having those employees, people will still have to live, right? I don't see that going down. But your GTA, let's just say your high end condominium. Okay. Your detached two, $3 million home, that's going to drop in, in a, that's on I'm guessing. I'm guessing here. Okay. But take a look at the market. Can people afford that? Let's say you have a single family home or uh, uh, downtown Toronto, it's a town home and it's affordably priced, right? Or a duplex in your outskirts, a secondary market, right? That's going to be, it's going to be sort of recession proof in a way that people still have to live. Okay. So when you're, when you're targeting specific areas, when you're starting out for your investors, for your listeners here, target areas where you have, you have that downside, the, the downside risk is limited. It's lim- like in a way that you're not going to see that dramatic drop. Like my house for sure, it's going to drop. I know that. Right. But I'm not building to, to, to flip it. Right. So be cognizant of where you're, you're investing. Uh, if you're not doing um, um, downtown Toronto, it's expensive. Toronto is an expensive market globally. Okay. But your secondary market is going to be very, fairly strong and buying the right location. Okay. Hopefully that answers it.
0: <laughs> no, it does. And it's good insight. Um, and I, I get a lot of, I I get a lot of comments. In fact, I had one come in today, which I'm going to have to mention in our podcast tomorrow. So this, by the time this is coming out on our podcast, it'll be a week from now. So, okay. but it's fine because we we're saying similar messages. It's interesting the TrepSats just came out today and they're saying very similar stuff to what you're oh. saying, which is great. So if I were to ask you right now, what you're doing with your, you, we were talking a little bit before uh, we yeah. started on, on recording, but what are you doing? Like, are you buying? Are you selling? Are you waiting? Like with the volatility and everything going on, yeah. what are you doing in your own portfolio?
1: We're, we're, we're actually expanding only only in areas that you you can see growth. Okay. A lot of the people right now, we see uh, great deals out, out there. There are a few companies right now. They're um, they, they're, um, they're financially stressed right now um, and strapped where there, we can see some good deals out there. We can't take advantage of all the deals. So we're actually, our current deal right now is a Vaughn deal. So um, do, do you mind if I just mentioned it out?
0: Absolutely. Okay. If you could. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So basically this is a um, the city of Vaughan is just north of Toronto and we're looking at doing, um, we have a corner lot that we can build. Um, I think it's about two to 300 units. Okay. So we purchased this piece of land very close to the hospital, close to Canada's Wonderland, uh, literally a, a couple minutes away um, and then we can build. And part of this portfolio is going to be affordable housing. Okay. So we take a look at the opportunity if we can build, because right now I, I know probably your listeners, because I, I was there too. Um, I was single family homes. Then I, then I jumped into more multifamily. My background is actually, I used to work at CapReit uh, cap Reit, um, as a director in operations. And then I was a property manager. So my, my, my sort of my knowledge is, is more multifamily, more building uh, situated where that's what I like. Uh, not, hey, there's nothing nothing wrong with single-family homes, so I'm not, I'm not pushing anybody to, to multifamily. But if you're comfortable with single-family homes, stick with it. It's a great investment. That's how I started. Uh, but how I see it is that the price per unit is getting high enough that it may be time to uh, to build. Okay, because most of my most of my multifamily, I purchased it at about hundred, maybe about 110 to about 130 thousand per unit. Now they're selling at about 150 maybe up to 160. So it comes to a point where when you start pushing the the cost per unit, I'll just break it down by cost per unit, like a one, two or three bedroom. And it gets up to like high 100,000. Okay. Plus uh, your deferred maintenance plus CapEx, all that stuff. Then you're looking at a little bit higher of the purchase price and your rents don't justify that. So it comes to a point where you're 130, 150. How high does it go? If it's up to 160 or 170 with cap X, now you're 200, 250 thousand dollars. You're very close to that build cost that you can build your own, right? And the government is actually giving quite a uh, an amazing subsidy, an amazing amazing um, uh, uh, loan, okay, for for builders to build affordable housing, okay? Really affordable so you, side, yeah, yeah, on the affordable side. So yeah. there's an opportunity there so for for real estate uh, professionals like yourself um, developers and things like that they're gonna they're gonna pivot you have to you, like you, we' still you're, you're, you're in a game where let's say um, you're in baseball okay your long ball doesn't work okay now you have to play small ball which is like your singles and your doubles okay you, you take what you can get you've got a hard pitcher that throws really hard and you can't get the home runs. You're going to play small ball. You're going to move the runners over to the second and the third, you're going to hit and run. And then you're going to cash your, your, your base runners in same thing with same thing with real estate. If your price per unit is getting very high, like your single family homes, you're buying it at 400,000, 500,000. you only have a duplex and that's two, 300,000 per unit. And you're renting it for about 1300. Your cash flow is going to be very tight. Is it time to build now? So you're pivoting, right? Same thing with us on a Vaughn project. Are we going to be pivoting? Are we going to build um, to build a two three hundred unit building? What professionals? What people? Who, who's, who are the, uh, the the players out there that can can partner up with us? So we got a good player um, that can develop this, develop the land, get the uh, get the unit, uh, get the uh, uh, density up, so we can build affordable housing. which the government wants, we're able to um, take advantage of the not take advantage, but take. Uh, take that opportunity from the government and then provide this so, like this uh, this social help right for for affordable housing and for the investment side it's a great investment as well because the returns are going to be there for for the investor side right so if people want to reach out to me that that's does a that's a vaughn deal that we're doing these are all all my properties are um i, I think i told we talked about this before the uh, the call is that a lot of these things when i did sort of real estate or investing in real estate we didn't have um, social media right brandon like in 2003 we had no like zoom we didn't even have like self, my cell phone was like whatever like uh like uh it was li- you couldn't even text you couldn't even text right you could you could there's no email but things are changing um from people will invest from single family homes and move up right and we're just changing in a way that okay now um some some operators in, in the space of multifamily they're reaching out to us we Our, our investors are changing. Um, they want to be able to grow with us, things like that. So a lot, of, a lot of the times we're in this, we're, we're in this game of real estate, but it just changes a little bit to the point where I I move from your triplexes to your 10 plaques, 10 plaques to a 65 unit and a 65 to a build. But these are just regular progression in a game in, in this type of game that we play, right? Not game. I know people will say it, but it's, this business always upgrades, right? You're, you're actually increasing your threshold for, for risk or tolerance. Right? So hopefully that I I babble a lot. That's good.
0: The babble. No, the babbling is (laughs) awesome. Uh, So, so if we were to, I want to, I'm going to group the next question into two questions here. So first off you mentioned briefly that you're seeing good deals and good opportunities. So where are you seeing these like, Fire sales, or maybe they're not fire sales. Maybe they're just opportunities. What does that look like? Where are you finding them? And at the end of all this, who do you think will come out on top? Again, not a bad thing. Someone that's adding value is creating wealth in the real yeah. estate market. Who do you think are going to be those players when everything, all this volatility, settles down?
1: Okay. Um, to answer your first question, I think where are we seeing seeing the deals? Right. So, excuse me. It's um it's coming from our agents. People are reaching out. Um, the past deals that we have done. Um, so the Cambridge deals, the Kitchener deals, the the real estate agents are always giving us these deals. So we have to sift through them. It's not, not all the deals are good. Okay. But you do have to sift through them in a way that, um, look behind the numbers, see what you can do with these buildings. Um, some of them would be fire fire sales, but none of them are like, slam
0: dunked in a way that, oh my goodness, I got to take, take this, right? Like a uh, 2008 United States housing collapse. Yeah. If we you check online, it. that's what's happening right now. Apparently. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, that's it. There, there's there. Is, there I, I'm rolling my eyes a little bit cause we get a yeah. lot of the doom and glooms. Everything is just falling down. So I think that's partly where I want to see. There are deals. There's like, yeah. you can't say there's no deals, but the fire sales or the like every, the house of cards coming down is a bit of a weak thing right now. So. It's, yeah. it's funny you're saying that
1: I, I don't, we don't see it at, uh, to that extent. We don't see it's like the deals, you still have to go through the numbers and we didn't see an amazing deal right now. Um, but I heard from, from our agents is that there are some of the bigger players that are little, they're cash strapped and they're trying to get rid of some of the, uh, some of the land and some of the properties. Um, but I still don't, see, we, we actually didn't, put out any bids like on the table or anything like that. We're not bidding for any properties. We're just currently working on the deals that we have. Um, we're, comfortable, we're comfortable in the deals that we have and we want to close on those. Um, but yeah, I guess that's my take on that right now. There could be deals, but you have to be care- careful and cautious. You have to run your own numbers. Same same analysis as pre-COVID, as post-COVID, post-COVID uh, even after this. So run your own deals, make sure that, because I know that DARS, they – we actually got a couple deals that seemed like it was really good, but once you you know dig a little bit further, it is not, it's not amazing. Okay. Right. Uh, so that's one thing. So who do you think is going to come out on top at the end of this? That's right. It's the people with the cash. Okay. So it's the people, the people that can weather this storm for whatever situation you're in, whatever stage in business you're at, you have to have cash. Okay. Um, I, I told this to one, uh, I, um, this other girl, I think her name is Angie. She goes out, you know, all, all these problems, you just have to throw cash at it. It's true. It is true. That is Very true. Your yeah. fundamentals is, can you, can you put bread on the table? Can you keep the lights on? If you want to look for an opportunity? Can you actually take advantage of the opportunity? Because do you have that cash or the investors, right? So the people who will come ahead are the people that are not over leveraged. They have that cash. It doesn't have to be like liquid liquid. Maybe you had to sell some securities or, Or or whatever, maybe um, you you do have that cash share. So uh, I was telling this to, um, uh, I think it was was to actually our mutual friend um, is that a lot of the, um, I I, I, I like to sort of say that, I'm not sure how your your listeners are gonna listen, but a lot of the Asian community, which when we were brought back, like when we, my parents and my grandparents, they saved a lot of the money, okay? Um, And they taught us that you save. So that means in your bank account, you work uh you're saving like
0: we have it's 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 in our brain to save my, my wife is actually uh, half chinese
1: Oh nice so we get
0: <laughs> we get the periodic red envelope for our daughter and yeah. yeah so I I know what you're talking about I see that
1: You see that so we save like you, yeah. you you have something you want that whatever those uh those games or whatever you like a lot of these kids play those Xboxes or whatever my kids don't have it right but like you're saving your money you want to, you want to buy that hoverboard. My daughter, uh, her name is Courtney she's 10 years old. And she goes, okay, I want to buy a hoverboard. Sure. That's something. It's not Christmas right now. You want it, <laughs> you pay. <laughs> you're paying for it. So that's how we teach our kids is that if you want something, there's this delayed gratification. If she doesn't understand it, you want it, you should pay for it. Now she's looking back. It's like, it's, it's sitting in my car we're moving right now. So, um, we're, we're in this small little apartment building. Um, and I said, Hey, how does that feel? He goes, I don't like it that much. $100 right for this hoverboard. But this is my, my, um, I like to give, um, you know, suggestions or, um, uh, just a little tidbit of my, uh, my experience is that don't overspend, make sure you have a nest egg just in case of a COVID hitting you. I I hit Hamilton and I I was losing $9,000 a month. I bought three triplexes, two eight plexes and a a 12 plex is 28 units in downtown Hamilton. I was bleeding 9,000 a month and it's not easy. It's not easy. Like I had to sell my RSPs to keep the heat on for these tenants and these tenants are not even paying. I pay for the property tax. Property taxes is is not cheap in Hamilton. It's one of the highest in the cities of uh, Ontario. And I guess my, 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 my tidbit of information here is that make sure you have cash. Okay, so for whatever you guys do, if you're investing, don't go all in. Okay, have a little bit in your back pocket, because when something's like this happens, you're able to weather that storm because whatever happens, who's going to have to pay that mortgage? Who's going to pay those utility bills? Right. So you can see an opportunity if you have that spare cash. This is the time to use it. Right hopefully that helps. Like I'm not,
0: it does help. And it's funny because when this all started happening and there was a controversy on whether rent was going to be collected, I remember we were actually talking about this about a month ago in our daily podcast about how there, I saw a post, I think it was a blog to article and there were comments from landlords saying, well, I need to pay this. I need to pay that. And if I don't collect my rent, I'm going to, I'm going to sink. And right out of the gate, the, the same thing you're saying is what we were saying is where, where is the reserve? Like where is your yeah. cash reserve that you're going to die? We haven't even hit the first month of rent yet and you're already dying. So yeah. I, I understand, I understand what you're saying and I agree. And I, yeah, I'm, I'm on the exact same page. Okay. Yeah. Let's yeah. segue a little bit. We've seen a ton of stuff here on COVID-19 that's kind of changed business in general and the way people do business. How has it changed things for large scale local investors? So maybe people you're talking to or your own business, how has this kind of changed the way you do business and kind of what you do on a daily basis? Sorry, can you just say say that question again? Yeah. So based on all of the changes we've had happen, obviously we're doing a zoom call, you know, instead of face to face. So there's, there's different things that we see in our business, in your business as an investor in managing with your clients on the property management side, maybe on all of these things, how are you maybe doing things a little bit different and, and your counterparts like other investors in the game as well how have things changed if at all?
1: Yeah. Um, not too many things, to be honest with you, nothing really changed too much, but there is that distance, that social distance. Um, I'll just do a quick little rundown of what what I do even before this is that a lot of my uh, contractors, um, I contact them just through text and through emails. Right. And I'm just saying, Hey, can you get this done? Um, tenants will, well, basically send me a picture of, let's say, a P-trap that's uh, uh, that's leaking or or whatever. Let's say the faucet's uh, uh, not working properly. So it's it's always been the same. Tenant sends me the send, sends me the picture. I take a look at it. I send it out to my contractors. Contractors get contacted. They go in and get it fixed. As simple as that. And then once it's done, they send me the picture. They send me the invoices. And bang, it goes to my accountant. Accountant sends the e-transfers. We don't actually even have to go into the unit. Okay? It has always happened that way um even like so so now it's the same thing as during the covid situation um the only situation that has changed is that things has really slowed down to almost a halt in a way that um now what basically changes that now my vacancies are a little bit longer okay um my st catharines is uh you know people don't want to show people don't want to be there so again uh, nothing really changed but cash uh, if you have vacancies, you still have to pay for, you have to pay for all the utilities. You have to pay a mortgage and all that. So, you know what, even if you're for, for your listeners or for your viewers, um, being able to manage things, um, that are not, uh, too close to your, to, to your home or to your business. Let's say if I'm, if I'm managing a building that's two, three hours away, you can still do it. Right. A lot of things right now is so accessible in a way that with these smartphones, these, uh, the technology really has changed things to a point where you can manage buildings from afar. Okay. Uh, but you still, you still need to have that quick, like I want to view my properties or see my properties every month. I'm still very hands on. I still go to my buildings. I went to my buildings just on a Saturday, uh, just to pick up the rents and make sure everything's okay. Cause that, that's my thing. I like, I like doing it. Um, but when you're doing this as a business, um, be able to manage it, um, sort of like hands off in a way that if you have to, if you have to be away, um, you're still able to do it. But that just means that even post COVID or even during COVID your your, your business is still running. Hopefully that answers your question. It
0: does. And just to, just to kind of translate it to smaller investors, you also have a team of people supporting if like, let's say a fridge breaks, it's not you going and replacing the fridge. So, now, when you first get started for smaller investors, you might be a little bit more of a hands-on. So this would be an argument to say, kind of what you're saying, the key word is remotely, right? Like doing, yes, being able to right. do things remotely means maybe having a team being built. So maybe using this as an opportunity for you to realize, I need to get off of being the guy that's there all the time in the face, especially on, as a small investor. Sometimes I know from my own experience, you've got older people, and they look at you and they're like, oh, he's just a kid. Like, I'm not going to pay my rent this month and it won't be a big deal or I'll just play him for a bit less, you know? So yeah. that attitude you get on a small investor basis can be removed often by property management companies and larger firms. So yeah. just to kind of translate that, but that's, that's great points, right? Like those things can all be dealt with. So, yeah, um, yeah. so to move on to the next question. So what okay. have you learned as an investor through the lockdown? Like, is there anything that you've kind of taken out that Maybe you hadn't seen in your in your past career here? Hmm.
1: What have learned, what have you um, learned? Um, honestly, not, not much to be honest with you. <laughs> Business as usual. Yeah. It's, 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 <laughs> it, it's weird. Cause even, okay. Like raising, like we're still raising money for the, this bond deal. Like we learned this way back is that you don't raise money in November, December. December is a write off COVID situation. It's hard to raise money. Um, we have a few investors that, uh, are willing to invest cause they want in w- with uh, with us over in this bond deal. But I learned this is that most investors now in a situation of no- December, because Christmas is like, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a write off. Like people has, Oh my goodness, December, like party time winds out and nobody's talked about business. And then, January is, uh, um, uh, you know, sort of the, the aftermath of the party. And then February people will start to start. Everybody's
0: at the gym in January. Yeah,
1: exactly. And then February (laughs) maybe start March, people start to invest. So my take is that December, January, February, you're not going to really be raising money. COVID situation. You only, the only people that will take advantage are the people, people that are, um, that are ready. Okay, that they know business. Okay, they're not the people that my tenants in my Whippy deal, um, that they're month to month. Okay, so these are the people that's prepared. Okay, I like working for like with investors that, that are prepared. Okay, because now they're going to take advantage, regardless of the situation of external factors, economic factors, um, uh, uh the COVID situation, things like this. <laughs> Chips, here's my uh, here's my little one. Um,
0: see. That's the one that wants to ride the skateboard? (laughs) No. She's three. (laughs) (laughs) Hi.
1: (laughs) So she's Chloe. She's number four. Uh, You can have chips after. (laughs) She wants a snack.
0: Got to save for it.
1: it. No? Okay. Go and... We're almost done. You'll have your daddy in a minute. Daddy Daddy will go up. I will. We can. Close the door, please. (laughs) (laughs) So... Yeah. This life is real. Okay. So you've always done business where, you know, our kids are involved in,
0: and, and, and whatever. Right. Um, sorry. What's the question is that well you're talking about investors through December through February, then you're going into the spring.
1: Yeah. Going into the spring. So spring market is probably the best and where people are going to invest COVID situation, any kind of, uh, uh, one-off things like this, people, uh, like most, most, like I have to say the bulk of your investors are probably going to be ha- like uh, handcuffed in a way that they can't even react. Okay. They're just saying, Oh my goodness, the sky is falling. So I don't want to be dealing with investors that are, that are like that, that they can't make a decision. Like seriously, a lot. This I think, is
0: true. I noticed this as well.
1: Yeah. But yeah. the opportunities are there for the people that's prepared, the people that uh have their business in order and they're willing to invest. So I like working with those people that say that, you know what, this is an opportunity. Uh, I have the money. Readily, uh, ready to invest, and I can do it. So we actually have a um, you know uh, half of the investments in Von in uh, accounted for. So hopefully we can we can close this deal and then and then build and then that's going to be the upswing. Okay. So whole, th- there are lo- low hanging fruits. That means there are investments out there. There are people that's bleeding, and you can get good deals. The thing is that your investors and you yourself are you able to take advantage of that because this is a time where you're able to to invest in good deals good solid deals okay and ride the ride that wave okay there's let's say it takes a few years right like even um, uh, even for my mother and my parents they bought uh, a triplex in Danforth okay near Greek town I I mentioned this in uh, in a video um, with Mammy McKeever I go hey listen Um, hey I don't by the way I don't have anything with Mammy McKeever so you guys can Reach out to me or even to Brandon. It's like if they want, to have we had a
0: him on our podcast not that long ago. So yeah, oh excellent. Yeah. yeah. So
1: um, even my mother, when she she bought and sold a property right before the uh, housing uh, crash in '89, so she made ninety thousand dollars in a year. Okay, but what what does that mean? Is that yeah, she made ninety thousand dollars in one year. Okay, that's amazing but what is the value of that triplex now in downtown in Greektown? It's an amazing location. It's probably worth a million dollars. So she earned 90,000 who cares, right? She spent
0: <laughs> right? like, seriously, who cares? No, you're right. That's a good point. Yeah. Right.
1: Now, now she would have been sitting on $3,000 positive cash flow each and every year for, for the rest of her life. Right? right. So listen, there's going to be an opportunity. You sell like real estate is a long-term game. If you can hold it and weather the storm—a COVID storm, a financial crisis, a whatever—that's amazing. Okay. So going back, like, there's going to be there's going to be um, opportunities. Are you able to to take advantage of that? Like, this is okay. I, I like to. This is my my history. Okay. I've been through the dot com. So I I this is, this is what I've dealt with and I I invested in I investing in briex the dot-com area uh, era where uh stocks flew and i actually paid off my osap with uh, the doc i used to flip stocks i bought nortel okay uh nortel was a big scam briex was a big scam then uh we had the uh, uh financial crisis in uh, uh right uh which didn't really affect us uh still invested um so I, that's on the investing side and then i uh, on the property side, I had two boilers break down, okay in the dead of winter. Boilers obviously will break down in the dead of winter because it's on in the winter time. that's right? when they're going. Yeah, that's when they're going. You don't have your boilers break down in the dead of uh, in the, even in if the they
0: storm. did, you wouldn't care.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't care, right? Exactly. So and then um, I have uh, I had a basement flood. I had my I had a unit uh, on fire at my Elgin property. Um, my Hamilton buildings I had my roof cave in if you can believe it. There's a story behind that. I had, um, tenants that didn't pay. Um, I had, what is it? Uh, drugs and prostitution. Okay. In some of my buildings, in the buildings that I worked for. Okay. Um, in, in economy and high end condominium, there was like a, um, a porn, like, I know you're Christian and I, well, I'm like, there's a, a B class porn, whatever on this rooftop. I didn't even know about it. I'm like, okay, all that, like, these are stories that- as And a yet here
0: you are, still investing.
1: Yeah, we're still investing. I had guns, okay? Um, this is from a fellow property manager. There was guns in the uh, in the lift top of a stove, two guns, two uh, handguns. And then she called me. So what should I do? I'm like, you called the cops. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of stories. In property management, there's there's so many stories from all of these. I've been threatened two times. Um, I ha- I've been choked, okay? Almost wow. choked. Uh, this is just last year. Okay. In my Elgin street, some guy went, it was a boyfriend or whatever. Right. it's like, he tried to choke me. So, Hey, I like to be in the thick of it. Okay. I'm very hands on as you can tell. Um, but it's, I, I enjoy it. And you know, what? I'm still here. Okay. There's so many stories. There's going to be always bad things. Um, that's just a snippet of what I have done. Right. But are you, are you willing to do all of this? Right. Don't, don't look at the returns, Brandon. All the investors, you're starting off, you're, oh my goodness, I'm going to get this return or that return, the cash flow, it's good. Are you, are you able to do the bad things? Are you willing to weather the storm with your boilers breaking down, your roof caving in, um, the COVID situation? Are you willing to pay for tenants? Um, uh, all of these, all these things. Okay, just a minute. Deal with little kids. that They want their snack, right?
0: <laughs> well, I think I've overstayed here. <laughs> Thank you so much for talking with our investors and uh, it, where can people find you if they want some more information to learn a little bit more about what you do and you kind of mentioned some of your projects.
1: Yeah. Uh, Cacoli.com. Okay. C-A-C-O-E-L-I.com. Uh, that's our website. It's actually our kids names, Kaylin and then Courtney. So C-A is Kaylin, C-O is Courtney, and then Elijah, E-L-I, then .com. And then our little one, our, our fourth one, our three-year-old is, she's not even in the, (laughs) she's not, then her name is not even there. It's going to be too long. (laughs) So uh, take a look there and then uh, you can reach out to us.
0: And we'll add that to our description as well. Thanks again, Casey. We appreciate all the time you've given today. You've been awesome. And hopefully we'll see you again in the future. Thanks a lot, Brandon. Wonderful. Thank you.
1: Take care.